Good morning and welcome. I trust that you are all capable of reading the announcements in the bulletin. I do have one further one to add. This afternoon at 3 o'clock at Shawnee Park, the Green County Adult Concert Band will be presenting their first uh, concert of the season at 3 o'clock in the park. You're all welcome. Good music. Hope you can be there. As a shepherd seeks a lost sheep, so God seeks and saves the lost. Like a woman who searches for a lost coin until it is found, so God rejoices over one soul restored to wholeness. As a father receives a returning wayward son, God welcomes us and lets the past be past. Therefore, let us praise God in thanksgiving that we are received. Let us receive and welcome and rejoice over one another in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you please join me in saying the opening prayer. We praise you, almighty God, Father, for being the example of the kind of father we long to be and desire to have. On this day of honoring fathers, we pray that fathers everywhere will look to you for their model of true fatherhood. Let this day be a reminder to us as the day we not only honor our fathers, but as the day we fathers can recommit living by your example. Help us this day and every day to lead lives worthy of Christian manhood through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Please stand if you are able and join everybody in singing our opening hymn, Faith of Our Fathers, number 710.
You may be seated, and we also have a responsive tribute for fathers. For fathers who have given us life and love, that we may show them respect and love. For fathers who have lost a child through death, that their faith may give them hope and their families and friends support and console them. For men, though without children of their own, who, like fathers, have nurtured and cared for us. For fathers who have been unable to be a source of strength, who have not responded to their children and have not sustained their families. God, our Father, in your wisdom and love, you made all things. Bless these fathers that they may be strengthened as Christians. Let the example of their faith and love shine forth. Grant that we, their sons and daughters, may honor them always with a spirit of profound respect. Grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament reading this morning is taken from Genesis, chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. This is from the New International Version. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household, and after him keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about Abraham for what he has promised him. This reading is a poem by Edgar Guest from one of his many books, A Heap of Living. I don't know, actually it's A Heap of Living. I don't know if you all remember Edgar Guest, but he wrote over 11,000 poems. Only a Dad by Edgar Guest. Only a dad with a brood of four, one of 10 million men or more, plodding along in the daily strife, bearing the whips and the scorns of life with never a whimper of pain or hate for the sake of those who at home await. Only a dad, neither rich nor proud, merely one of the surging crowd, toiling, striving from day to day, facing whatever may come his way, silent whenever the harsh condemn, and bearing it all for the love of them. Only a dad, but he gives us, but he gives his all to smooth the way for his children small, doing with courage stern and grim the deeds that his father did for him. This is the line that for him I pen, only a dad, but the best of men. May the ushers please come forward and lead us in the offertory.
us pray. Lord, we know that there is much work to be done, far more than we ever imagined. We ask that You bless these gifts, that they may be used for the work You have set before us, for we place our lives in trust in You. Amen. Reading from the New Testament, Matthew 18 through 20, 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this one servant, that, at this, the servant fell to his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and, and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow, servants, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay, back, pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what, he had, what had happened, then they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back what he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The word of God for the people of God.
technology is a great thing. We've invested about the age of 40 before. Hear me? Of course, you can hear me without the mic. I already know that. Yeah. James, don't. <laughs> It's a. I noticed after the service started that my my wife's cousin and husband Be- Becky and Rick joined us from Columbus area, and I will just say that I've known Becky since she was a little girl. She knew me when I was a teenager, and man, was I good looking at him when I was a teenager, right? Hair, mustache. Oh man. Anyway, she's seen the whole degradation of my age, you know. Through, through the 50 years that, uh, so it's good to have y'all, and I won't, you know, use your last name because it's on YouTube, and, you know, don't want you to lose friends. So. Thank you, men, for the music. Ah, that was beautiful, beautiful, and, and uh, just gorgeous. Thank you so much. We're going to look at radical forgiveness, what Jesus has to say about it, but before we do that, I'd like to have a moment of silent prayer so we can prepare our hearts to receive God's Word. And I can prepare my heart to present it. Let's have a moment of silent prayer. Amen. I was driving down Route 35 a few weeks ago. I hate Route 35 from Valley Road to Factory. Hate it. You know what that's like. Of course, they fixed it some with more lights, and it seems to run smoother. But I was going through all the construction. The traffic was a little heavy, and I was driving. I don't drive slow, but I don't speed. Uh, not more than five miles an hour over. So, yeah. so going through, and there was a pickup truck right on, right on my tail. I said, what the heck is that? And so, um, when he had a space, he pulled out and went ahead and then turned his blinker on to cut in front of me and I put my brand, let him in. I thought that was a really nice thing to do and he, in return for this act of kindness and grace, he gave me an obscene gesture to be unnamed and he cussed at me because I could read his lips in his rearview mirror looking at me. How dare he do that? I was being nice. I could have not let him in. I, I, could have, I could have done a lot of mean things about letting me. I did something good. And that's what I get. That's not right. It's so wrong. But there's something that's guaranteed in life. I know a lot of things. Some people say death and taxes and all that. But there's one thing guaranteed in life that you already know. That in this life, you will be hurt. You will be wounded. There will be people who will personally offend you. There will be people who will personally, with vindictiveness, hurt you. And if you've lived any amount of years, that's already happened multiple times. Because we're... We live in a fallen world. And we live in a world where a lot of people don't know Jesus. Now we can handle the day-to-day many 
offenses, the clerk who's rude, the person who digs out $20 of change to pay for something in the store, and you know, whatever. There are these many things that, that we can kind of do, deal with that. But then there are the big offenses, the things that wound us, that we remember, that stay with us, that sometimes we can't put out of our mind, and there's been no justice done to it. Maybe it's something that happened way back when we were a child. Or maybe it was something with a former relationship or marriage. But we carry, all of us, to one degree or another, some deep, unfair wounds or sins against us. And that leads me to this uh, uh, parable by Jesus on forgiveness. And Jesus... uh, responds to Peter's question of how often shall I forgive my brother and sister? And specifically, this parable, uh, Jesus wanted his, his followers to forgive one another. He, the church could never be launched. But there is a greater message in this parable that goes beyond our brothers and sisters. And the reason I know that, I'll be sharing some scripture with you later that shows this, but if you remember Jesus on the cross, what did he say when the when the, the people taunted him and the Roman soldiers crucified him and they didn't ask for forgiveness and they didn't say, I'm sorry, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He modeled what he wants us to do. Sorry, I got too excited. All right, you hear me? I never wanted big ears and I have them and now I'm glad because they stay on. So Peter, and I love Peter, I love him so much, and you know why. He's always the first to speak, and he steps in it so much, and that reminds me of someone I know very well. Yeah, you're laughing because you know it's me. Peter wants, uh, if you look, and we're not going to read the passage before that, but it's about disciplining Christians in the church. And so Peter uh, asked Jesus a question. Have you ever, I tried to be really important, try to impress my teachers in school and I always crashed and burned you ever want to ask a question to a teacher that will really impress them yeah I know you have you won't admit it I bet you have and Peter does this because in in the first century the the righteous rabbi said you should forgive someone three times that's three times is a lot you slap me in the face I forgive you and then you see me in the street week and you slap me in the face I forgive you in a three times whoa that's a little much Jesus and he asked this in front of all the disciples I just want to ask you a question how often should we forgive our brother who sins against us seven times Ooh, I bet he, Jesus was going to be whoa Peter right on man you are righteous that's four times more than the rabbis But that's not what Jesus said, is it? He said, where's my thing? The devil's in this, I'll tell you. That's all right. I'm I'm not giving up on it. All right. So he says seven times. And, And the disciples are rolling their eyes. 
when Peter says this, asks this question, I'm sure. And Jesus goes 77 times. Really saying, it's, you know, uh, you, you do it. You, you don't ever quit forgiving. And really, the whole point of this, of this parable of Jesus is that God expects every Christian to relate to one another with a forgiving heart. That is the point of the parable. But I want to take you through because there are four things I want to share with you. And, and they're going to be hopefully easy to follow. I know sometimes I may not be easy to follow. But one, it's going to be one, two, three, and four. And I think this will help us because it is very important to Jesus that we forgive others, that God expects us to forgive others who sin against us. And this word, in fact, that Peter used if those who sin against me, there's a lot of words for sin in the Bible. And this word really means a personal wound. It means a real personal, personal wound. So God expects us to, but what does He say about it? What can we glean from this? And how will it help us to forgive when someone sins against us? Number one, we need forgiveness. This is very important because this is implied in the parable, everybody has debt. We need forgiveness. Every one of us here has sinned. We've sinned against God. We've sinned against people. We were born into sin with a sin nature. And without Jesus Christ, we are lost. We need forgiveness. And no amount of piety can get that forgiveness. No amount of piety. No amount of, of, of religious ceremony no amount of Bible reading, no amount of prayer, unless the prayer is, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. No amount of piety can get rid of this debt. The debt is too large because we've sinned against the almighty, perfect, holy, righteous God. You and I are in big trouble because of that. And we didn't even bring sin into the human race, but we adopted it. Uh, it was give, it given to us in the fall of mankind. But here's the great news. We need forgiven. And listen to this. He, God, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Jesus became adultery. Jesus became stealing. Jesus became murder. He took those sins on us. Jesus became lies. Jesus became vision. Jesus took on dissension. Jesus took on anger. Jesus took on every vile sin that you can see on anywhere in culture. He took that on. He became sin. Why? So that we, we the sinners, we the ones who did the adultery, we the ones who did the lies, we the ones who did the debauchery, we the ones who broke every law of God might become the righteousness of God in Him. We need forgiven. And in Christ we are forgiven if indeed we have asked for that forgiveness. It's not automatic because the just by faith. So number two, we need forgiveness. We must forgive others. Now, I have to explain. We, we did the NIV version. 
and they changed the word for the money, the talents. You remember, it, it says talents and denarii. No one knows what that is. But I've got to tell you what it is because you've got to understand the context. Jesus tells a story with hyperbole that's so uh, ridiculous to make a point. And yet, to understand this hyperbole, you need to understand the numbers. Um, the servant owed an unpayable debt. In Greek, in ancient Greek language, you know what the biggest number that you could write in Greek was? That, or they had a word for? 10,000. That was the biggest number. They didn't have anything past that. Now, the forgiven servant in the story owed how much? 10,000 talents. The servant that was not forgiven owed 100 denarii. What is Jesus saying? Okay, a denarii, one denarii is a day's wage. So the servant who wasn't forgiven owed, I'm not good at math, but that's probably three months at least. Of, he owed three months of back pay, really. He owed 100 denarii. The 10,000 talents, I'll tell you this, um, one talent is 6,000 denaries, so one talent is a half a lifetime of earnings. One talent. He owed 10,000 talents in the story, which is 330 tons of silver, or 60 million denarii. That's how much he owed. And, and foolishly, he said, oh, I can, I'll pay it back. Of course you can't. Just like we tell God, I'll try to pay it back somewhere. I'll, I'll do more things. I'll try to earn back that forgiveness. I'll, do so, I'll pay it back, but we can't pay the debt back. It's impossible to pay the debt back. It's too large. And, 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 the, and the king or the, uh, the person that owns the servants says, okay, I'll forgive you the 10,000 debts. And then he goes to a man that owes him one six hundred thousandth of the amount he was forgiven for. One six hundred thousand. This is the dynamic Jesus wants to create we owe an unpayable debt our debt is against God and it's against people but even our sins against people are against God because we're created in the image of God and efforts to pay the debt are completely useless and judgment is a certainty all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God without Christ we all face judgment When we face judgment and we turn to Christ, that unpayable debt is forgiven. You remember, don't you? We, those of us who are Christians, there was a time in our life when we were convicted of our sin. That we were not right with God. That our eternity was one without God. Into the darkness. Without God. That we lived with not even caring about what God thought, what God required. And God convicted us of sin at some point in our life. Maybe you don't even remember it, but at some point in your life, you begged for mercy. And God forgave you. And God forgave me. We must forgive others. That's number two. We don't have a choice. But I'm going to say more about that. So don't leave yet. Number three but we need help forgiving others. Do we not? 
Forgiveness is an unnatural act. It's unnatural. Totally unnatural. Because a real debt exists. And when a real debt exists, if you owe me $100, you owe me $100. I mean, it it, it came out of my pocket. And I I loaned it to you. You're not paying it back? Yeah, it's mine. You owe debt. I'm not going to pretend like you don't owe me a debt. You owe me $100. And a revengeful response is justified. Now, I know you don't... I know that it would be unseemly for a minister to return an obscene gesture that was thrown to them in traffic, and I didn't do it. But if I had done it, even though you might cringe, like, oh, you know, that's not good. But you would understand. You say, I can understand. The guy did that, and he cussed at him, and he was trying to be nice. I mean, I can understand it. You could understand it, right? I mean, you could. A revengeful response is, 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 is required. Now, I love war, old war movies, and I love World War II movies. I feel like World War II was our last righteous war. And what do you love about World War II movies? Well, I loved when they were fighting the Germans and when the Nazis get killed. Who doesn't like a Nazi getting killed, right? We all cheer. We hate the Nazis. They're, they're ridiculed today. And movies they got killed, yeah, he's a Nazi. But Corey Ten Boom forgave the guard that was in Treblinka where her sister died and her family died. She forgave him 10 years later when he came to her. That is Christ in us. But forgiveness is an unfair act because in order for us to forgive, we have to release the debt. We have to say, okay, I'm releasing the debt. I'm releasing you from the debt that you've incurred with your horrible behavior or whatever it is. I release the debt. But how do we do that? I want to read a scripture from Galatians. We we cannot forgive, I don't believe. We can think it's very difficult to believe true wounds without the help of the Holy Spirit. Because it's a supernatural thing. It's not natural. And it's not doesn't seem right. So what do we do? Listen to these words. These are familiar. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. You mean like revenge? You mean like a grudge? You mean like hate? For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh. But if you were led by the Spirit, you were not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, and they list all kinds of immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and all things like these. I warn you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says, but, and I love in Scripture when they switch the topic, but... The fruit of the Spirit, remember? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And we can't experience the fruit of the Spirit unless we live in the Spirit. And we can't live in the Spirit if we're living in sin. And we live in sin when we refuse to forgive. When we, when we continue to hold a grudge. But I want to hold that. 
for a minute because I don't want you going on a guilt trip because I'm going to say something about this right now. And that is number four. To be forgiven, we must forgive. Now, we're going to, you remember the Lord's Prayer, what's it say? Forgive us, what? As we forgive those sins against us. Don't you wish Jesus didn't put that in? All right, now let's put up the scripture. I want you to read these out loud with me. Okay, let's read that one. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And the next one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's read the next one. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Another one. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And there's one more. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in Heaven may forgive you your sins. Now, there's, these verses beg the question, are you saying that it isn't Christ who forgives me, but it's because I forgive others? No, that's not what Scripture's saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. Our Christian walk is dynamic. It's not static. And we have choices that we can make. We can choose to live in, try to live in obedience with God and ask Him to help us to forgive those who have wounded us or we can just blow that off and say, I'm not going to do it. And so, I hear you saying, but I can't forgive. What do we do? Let me say this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting. When we forgive, it does not mean forgetting. Forgiveness is not brain damage. No words does the Scripture require us to forget the sins that have been against us. And it's not easy. It takes time to forgive because we cannot forgive until we understand the nature of the wound. I mean, how much does this person owe me? What am I going to do about that? We have to acknowledge that pain. We have to acknowledge that hurt. We have to acknowledge that wound. We have to acknowledge that unfairness. But when we walk in Christ and we want to walk in the Spirit, what do we do? Ask and you will receive. We need to lean into forgiveness. What do I mean by leaning into forgiveness? We lean into it. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I forgive. Help me to forgive. We may have to pray. Jesus said 70 times 7, and, and, it, and it means a lot of things, but one thing it can mean, one of the things it means is that someone wounded you way back. You forgave them, but it comes back to you and you have that 
pain. You forgive them again. You may have to forgive them a hundred or two hundred times and every day pray for God to give you the grace to forgive. Ask and it will be given to you. And here's another thing. Thank God. Hold on. Oh, I know. Ooh, I could just feel that. I know. I would be angry if I was sitting where you are. Someone said that. Thank God that He has shown you what you are and I am without Jesus. Without faith. Because our greatest need is God. And when we fall into things where we cannot let things go, it's a blessing to know how much we need to lean on God and depend upon Him. And to thank God that in spite of the terrible wounds, He is still in control and that He is still good and that we affirm that even if you can't understand His goodness at that moment. Philip Yancey. I think we'll read this together. Alright? Let's read it together. In the final analysis, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I am simply trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I leave issues of fairness for God to work out. I defer to Him the scales of justice. Do you remember the movie, not the musical, the movie Les Miserables with Liam Neeson? I love that version. I love that version. In that movie, I pro- it's probably 30 years old now, maybe 25. Jean Valjean, who went to prison and you know, got out or escapes. Anyway, a priest, a priest allows him to stay in his you know, rectory because there's no place. And, and, and this priest does a great act of kindness. And what... Jean Valjean does is I believe, I don't remember, I think he hit the priest, knocked him out, but whether he did or not, he stole some of the candles. The the, the candle, not candles. What do you... Yeah, that's a long name, yeah. Candelabras. Yes. He stole those. Well, he got caught. And he comes back to the priest. And there's a, I think a nun, unless he's, maybe he's Episcopalian, it's his wife. I'm not sure if there's someone else there hanging up clothes. And the, the police, the, the police that said, we have we caught this man. He has stolen um, your can, your, he has stolen this from your parish. The priest, knowing the desperate situation Jean Valjean's in, says, oh no, he didn't steal them. But when you left, you forgot the rest of them. And the priest went and got the rest of the candle and gave it to Jean Valjean. What candelabras do you have that you need to give away? Are there any in your life? Things you've been holding on to because they're yours? A wound that is very righteous for you? 
because it was so wrong? A wound that to give it up would somehow say to you, it doesn't matter. And let me tell you, when we forgive, we are not saying it doesn't matter. And when we forgive, we are not saying that was a despicable thing. And when we forgive, we are not saying, I'm married to an abuser, I want to abuse some more. That's not what forgiveness is. But are there candelabras in your life that you need to give away? Jim, would you be able, just for a moment, well, we have some sign up for just play something soft, even if it's a note, anything. If you just bow your heads. Just ask the Holy Spirit to help you. If you have any candles, lobbers to give out in your life. Wounds you have held on to. Or maybe you've forgiven and it's come back. Or maybe you don't want to forgive. You want to ask the Holy Spirit to take the step forward that way. Or you've forgiven, but you don't think you can ever get over it. All you need to do is just say, help me, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help me. Amen. This is a tradition in this church. We ask all the men, whether you can sing or not, to come up front. We're going to give you the lyrics to rise up, O men of God, and we're going to sing it en masse. So if all the men would come forward, please, and stand in front of the altar rail. These four guys are going to pass out copies of the text, and as soon as we're all up here, we'll let her rip.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and give you His peace. Amen.